Hello and welcome to this week's Thursday night postgame show. My name is Jordan and I'm joined today by Brady and David. Let's call it like it is. Georgia State took a crushing defeat at the hands of the James Madison Dukes. We won't pretend to have the answers, but we'll do what we can to make the most of the muck. And that'll start with a quick capper on what went down at Center Park Stadium on Saturday afternoon. It was actually a close game for much of the first half. The teams traded touchdowns and missed field goals off the upright before JMU embarked on a 15-play, 86-yard drive to take a 14-7 lead into the break, and they were in control from there. 14 straight points for the Dukes in the third quarter gave them a commanding 28-7 lead. And though Georgia State struck back when quarterback Darren Granger scored his second rushing touchdown of the day with a 58-yard run on a drive later, James Madison scored a pair more touchdowns to close out a dominant second-half performance. The loss leaves the Panthers 6-3 overall, 3-3 three three in Sunbelt play, suffering their first losing streak of 2023. They are still winless against the Dukes in four all-time meetings. So, gentlemen, thoughts on James Madison? Well, I know we don't really want to talk about the football to start after what whatever that game was. And there was kind of a secondary thread to the game through online chatter amongst you know, JMU fans, Georgia State fans, the usual attendance, and then a quote that made the airwaves uh, that I put out on Twitter after the game. Uh, Coach Elliott was talking about a lot of things that were disappointing. He talked about lack of fight from the team, lack of focus, lack of effort, lack of coaching, lack of execution, everything. And we'll get into all of that on the football side. He also threw in lack of fan support, lack of it all. And later on in the press conference, he said, and I'm quoting here, this is the 13, this is the 23rd ranked team coming into our place, 8-0 undefeated. You would think there would be some juice, some excitement to go play this football team. We might as well have been playing a doggone spring game at 6 a.m. And, you know, it's just a quote that obviously is noteworthy, and I'm sure a lot of people did not take very fondly. Um, But it does speak to just a general thing that kind of looms over every Georgia State game. You know, it's basically the first word of any Sunbelt fan's mouth about Georgia State. Something about attendance, throwing stuff in the replies on Twitter or what have you. There's kind of three parts to this, and I wanted to kind of hit them and then see where we wanted to take it, you know, with David and Jordan as well uh, chiming in. The first thing, after mentioning all the people on Twitter from other fan bases, Georgia State's got to tune those people out. Like, the outside noise is going to be there. It's a punchline. It's something people are going to go to. Um, Clearly, James Madison fans are feeling very good about their presence in the stadium. Um, And I think for good reason, they brought a good crowd that was very active in yesterday's game. But... I don't really think it does any good for Georgia State fans or anyone around the program to care about all of that because it's going to be there until Georgia State kind of reverses it and has 25,000 at a game cheering. And, you know, the standard to get to that point is going to be just kind of a big jump from where it currently is. And so I don't really think it does much good to kind of focus on that and get into everyone's mentions on Twitter about that. But I don't think that means... There's not a problem. And there is a problem. Um, Unfortunately, yesterday was the worst student attendance of the year by a good degree. And that was a bummer because that had actually been a strong point relative to previous seasons. But really strong point. I mean, mean, the students had been very good this year. Very good. So someone's got to figure out on the promotion side, on the athletic side, what did not go well this time to mean that students didn't come out and maybe it was they lost to Georgia Southern and that was a big blow and 
people weren't feeling great about it. But I don't really think you can let that be a reason because you kind of got to get to the point where student presence is not win and loss based because that's, you know, that that's tough. Obviously, any fan base and every student section is going to have, you know, if a season's going really badly, you're going to see it dwindle out. But I still think there's work to do to kind of make that happen in a less significant manner. But the third part of it, and I think this is the most short-term thing, is the fans who are there, there's got to be a way to juice up the energy in the place. I know that people are not going to love Coach Elliott calling them out. And, you know, I, I heat of the moment, I think, there from the coach, just being disappointed, wanted a bigger environment, wanted really wanted his players to play harder and have more of their own juice. And so uh, probably a little bit misplaced in the sense that really the issue for him as a football coach was his players didn't come out with the same oomph that they needed to, to beat a good James Madison team. But the problem exists. And even if you're optimistic about turning the attendance around, and I think we all agree, it's kind of a long-term deal. It's not going to happen. You know, it's not going to happen in a game. Like, even if they had won this James Madison game, you weren't going to suddenly have a full capacity stadium when App State comes on Saturday. It's going to be a growth thing. So I think the biggest thing and the most actionable thing from fans, from administration, mostly from the side of you know promotion, administration, all that is to make the most of the fans that are there. And, and what I mean by that is you saw on, on Saturday, the James Madison fans were loud on every third down. You know, they were cheering really loud when good things happened, but mostly they were just having an impact on the game in ways that it felt like the Georgia state fans were not. And sometimes that's been an issue, um, especially when other teams do bring a good crowd. And I don't really subscribe to the idea that there were more James Madison fans than Georgia state fans. Um, I'm sure someone on some online counted all the numbers of people, but the fact of the matter is they had a bigger presence, especially when it counted. And, that's something that's got to change because I don't think you're going to suddenly go to having 30,000 people at every game, but that doesn't mean the atmosphere has to be what it is with the attendance that is there. There is improvements that have to be made, whether it's, you know, on the op side, having better signage on the screen for making noise or whether it's whatever it is. I think a defeat has to be sounded on the fact that, there's not enough being done to juice up the atmosphere among the fan base in the stadiums that's already there on Saturdays. And you know, you're not going to fix the biggest part about this overnight, but that's something that you can at least look at more immediately. And so I feel like that's something just as much with finding out what's up with the student attendance, that's got to have some intentionality behind it to fix. I think part of the issue, if uh, I can butt in, I, I know I never talk on these things, but this is something that I can actually relate to because I've been to, with exception of a couple in the 2020 season and then when I was uh, a couple seasons before was unable to make, I've been to pretty much every home Georgia State game since the program started. The students generally don't really care about the schools. They don't know anybody who goes to them or they've never heard of the school or there's some sort of perception that it's not an opponent to take seriously, even if the team's ranked or whatever. They get up for Georgia Southern. They got up for Kennesaw State. They've gotten up for the HBCUs that have come into town. They get into the games and it's not I don't think it's a situation of people just generally don't care. I think it's people choose when they're going to invest energy because there's a lot of different things you could be doing on a Saturday afternoon or a Thursday night in Atlanta or whatever. 
And that's an argument that's been made all sorts of times throughout the 14 year history of the program. But the, I think one of the biggest problems is they're not willing to transfer that energy to just the general atmosphere of let's go to a game and cheer on the team and be a part of that kind of atmosphere because I don't think they've really experienced it outside of those isolated incidences that I've brought up. They don't they don't know what it's like to be part of a dynasty program that has the legacy of winning and fan support and it just being a thing that everybody goes to the game and you cheer the team on and you enjoy the experience of being present there like a school like James Madison would have or Georgia Southern would have or those other programs that have that kind of an environment. Georgia State's never had that for football. I think that's the biggest problem. And they don't graduate and they don't come back and be part of that kind of an environment because they didn't have it when they were a student. So how do you fix the problem? Yeah, I think that that is, you know, I don't want to come across as scoldy because I think all of that is fair, that it is a young program. And to be expected with a young program that, you know, there's now 8,000, I believe, students on campus. And that is like far more than there have ever been, especially when this was like full on a commuter school. It's still got to shake that a little bit. And there's still a lot of students that are attending Georgia State that are not on campus staying or around campus staying. And and that's the reality of things. But the number is big enough now of people that are right there that you at least have a, be- a better shot now to get more people in there. But you're definitely right. Um, and I think that's also why I mentioned the last point that I did about making the atmosphere better as it is now because it, like it's not going to suddenly be like you have 30,000 people there with the attendance that has been pretty regular. But if it seems like more of a fun thing and you've got some juice in the stadium when you're going for the first time, whether it's like the home opener of next season or whatever, and that's your opportunity to get people to stay. I almost think that that stuff matters as much as whatever happens on the field. You know, obviously, uh, next year, the, the home openers against Chattanooga, and it will have been a week after the Georgia Tech game. So depending on if, you know, they win against Georgia Tech, there might be some extra there because, you know, they're feeling good about the team and you'll get people in the building. And so you've still got the one more home game against App State uh, next Saturday, which given how this game went, I'm not expecting a sudden uptick in interest from the students. I mean, that just kind of right now you're right that that matters and that there isn't like that draw yet. But I think that is why I mentioned that as maybe the most important thing to do right now, because I think you can at least make a game effort in making all of that better with the attendance that is there now. And I think that that is going to be important because, you know, if you're looking for whether getting to a new year six, three years in a row, which would obviously make interest pretty high, or you're looking at just having more of an environment that is enticing for that Thursday night, Saturday afternoon, Saturday night, as an option of like, Hey, I'm going to go to the football game. That one is definitely easier to project as like what you can control. It is a lot harder to just go out and say, yeah, we're going to go win 12 games a year and that's going to get the student interest. I think banking on that and banking on, you know, the times they host Georgia Southern or host someone who plays in the state of Georgia, it's not really something you can use as building the fan base long-term. That's more like spits and spots of it getting better. And I agree that, you know, that has been the reality of what the students have been drawn to, but you got to do some things to try and flip that because 
it's just not going to be sustainable to build out the fan base as I think we believe it can be. It's not going to be easy. And obviously we've seen it has been a slog, even getting to this success in air quotes of the student turnout this year, which has been better, but still doesn't match maybe what you see at other Sunbelt schools, even ones that aren't like stellar, but just have a good solid side of the stadium, mostly filled with students. Oof. I mean, yesterday was tough. You know, we've talked a lot about the students and, you know, I don't want to look, I made my own personal life decisions and I, you know, I live 700 odd miles away from center park stadium. Um, but I think the, the challenge for a school like Georgia state specifically where it is, is this was the first game this year where they directly competed with Georgia in terms of game time. And I personally think that's a pretty poor excuse. There's a lot of people who, you know, grew up Georgia fans who did not end up going to Georgia, who ended up going to Georgia State. And I understand, you know, kind of, you know, my dad went there, class of 83, or, you know, my mom went there, class of 95, or, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, These parents have vastly different ages. Different students, different students, not the same family. Um, you know, people will have that, you know, that family lineage, but, you know, they don't kind of transport that over. And, and I think, you know, the one thing that bothers me, if I can even say something that bothers me, is I graduated from Georgia State five years ago. The amount of students that are on campus now are so much more than the amount of students that were there, even my senior year, even my freshman year. And like, yes, the Georgia State is a type of school where people commute from the suburbs, you know, from the north suburbs, south suburbs and, you know, all that. But there's so many people that are on campus and the size of the the population of the university has completely changed um, between my four years there and even now. Um, And it's. I don't know. You know, I, w- I wish I could sit here and tell you what I think the solution is. It's got to get better because, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, we talk we talk about winning a lot. And specifically with football, like, you know, when they're getting the 10 win seasons, you know, that's when the people will come. But sometimes that feels so fleeting to say, because look at basketball, you know, basketball in the you know mid 2010s. Like there was a run where Georgia State was what, you know, if they weren't winning the Sun Belt, they were second place in the Sun Belt, third place in the Sun Belt, making deep tournament runs. And yeah, the sports arena, you know, it was was not it was not the best arena. It was home. But, you know, there was some there's some loving that you had to give it as a Georgia State fan is how I will say that. And even then, there were some times where it was like, well, you would not expect this to be the type of atmosphere for a team that's, you know, trying to win 30 games this year as a mid-major, trying to make, you know, not just the, hey, we're happy to be here, NCAA tournament appearance, but, you know, really had that goals of like, yeah, you know, we know we need to win our conference tournament, but, you know, we want to be a second weekend team. We want to try to get to the third weekend type of team. Um, And, you know, like it's, it's, I, I think it's an unspoken thing. I, I feel like I've never heard a coach kind of call out the atmosphere like Coach Elliott did this weekend. Um, sp- specifically, and, and I'm glad that he didn't, you know, say specifically, you know, fans or specifically this, that, or the other. But you, can, I, I think it's always been something that I've been curious that 
you know, players and the athletes and coaches, because they know like they, you know, the, the what we see on TV, what we see in person, they're on the field like they can see that, you know, they see the the stands, they see they feel the atmosphere. And, you know, when they have to create their own juices and, you know, get up and create their own energy like they they see that. And, you know, it's they don't deserve that. And like this team specifically, this team didn't deserve to have their second to last home game play out this way i mean yeah obviously the southern loss was disappointing you know no one's gonna sit here and make excuses for that they got punched in the mouth but jmu's a good team that georgia state had an opportunity to beat you know like you said like we like you know jordan said in the preamble it was a close halftime score you know the opportunity was there it was a one touchdown lead at halftime yeah and i mean i should say we are not saying the crowd or lack thereof or less thereof than should have been is the reason why they lost. And if coach Elliott was saying that, which I don't believe he was, that is wrong. Like that is not the case at all. It's just the thing about when this football program mode started to play for the first year in 2010, the idea was, or was supposed to be about how college athletics and specifically college football can be the window shop to your university and be a selling point and draw people in. And especially when they made the jump to FBS, it was about playing against teams constantly that you've heard of and playing in a conference with Georgia Southern, who is an in-state rival, who there's state Southern people all across, you know, people who work together, the student bodies obviously don't care for each other. You're missing out on the maximizing of that idea by not being able to make the most of the home game atmosphere. I mean, the way I think about it is you get six of those a year, seven if you're like a blue blood who gets to host seven or eight if you're like Ohio State. They always get extra home games. I I don't know why. Um, You get six chances a year to put on those shows. And I just feel like Georgia State is missing the boat on making the most of those. And so I just think it has to be a priority and figuring out what can go better, tinkering stuff here, there, switching up, whatever needs to be switched up, finding a way to find that extra gear because it's important. You know, it is ultimately what people are going to think of the program. And it is, it can be better, even while the big leaps maybe are years, a decade plus away. Some of that might come with winning as much as I poo-poo the idea of it being like the the sudden thing that's going to make it click. I think the winning is going to be a bigger deal for older alums who get drawn back to the program for the first time rather than students. I push back on that, like respectfully. I push back on that only because I mean, at the end of the day, we're sitting in the season where they had their best start ever. And like, yeah, they've kind of cooled off a little bit. And, you know, yes, obviously they started four and oh, and, you know, they're what, two and three in their last five. They played some tough teams and, you know, they're the Troy game, the Georgia Southern game and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But like at the end of the day, they were six and one two weeks ago, you know, like that is literally the best start that they've ever had. So like. The winning, it might not be the Sunbelt Championship that you're, you know, asking for. It might not be the 10 wins that, you know, we have, you know, said that this program has been looking for and, you know, to elevate the program. But 
you can't say that the winning wasn't there this year because, you know, you got to play out the rest of the season, sure, but, like, the winning has been happening this year. You know, it's a, it's a many-fold issue. Um, we've touched on a, a fair bit of it, hopefully come across in a way that didn't feel like luxury or whatever to anyone involved. But ultimately, I think it's on the university side, the promotion side, the ops side, to kind of find some other gear to what's been going on. Because I think just as Einstein's quote, or whether he actually said it or not, who knows, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. And so maybe because of the disappointment of the football game piled onto it, this just felt like a moment that stuck out to me to kind of mention this. I don't plan on revisiting this until, you know, there's a reason to, again, whether it's that it does get better and just like shout out whatever flip to make it go better. I felt like he was hitting it in one go. Um, I feel like we've covered that now and, Obviously, we're looking forward now to diving into the football side of things. Um, well, yeah, after we talk about attendance, you know, or lack thereof, let's go talk about the actual football game. And you hit on something there was kind of my first point that I was going to mention that it was a close game. James Madison had edged the first half for sure, especially when they got that touchdown right at the end on that long drive. But even with that, you know, they had the total yards margin at that point. Uh, they had probably you know deserved that lead, but it was a seven point game, and even after they got the touchdown out of the third quarter, Georgia State gets the ball at that point. They can get a touchdown there, make it a one score game again, and you've kind of reset it from where the half the halftime momentum was, and that didn't happen. Obviously, um, Darren got the long run in second of the day, but at that point, it had already become a twenty eight seven lead, and. You know, I think the unfortunate thing for this game is that it was the same problems that haunted them in the Georgia Southern loss on a a wider scale that lasted for more of the game. Namely, the offense couldn't stay on the field and the defense didn't play well, but also just had to play so many games, uh, play so many snaps because James Madison possessed it for 42 minutes and 26 seconds. The offense only had the ball for 17 minutes, 34 seconds. The play discrepancy was 83 plays that James Madison ran, 48 plays that Georgia State ran. That is just, you. it's a good team. It's a good defense. Obviously, they tested this Panthers offense, but that cannot happen, especially two weeks in a row. You know, whatever else is going to come the rest of the season, nothing's going to get better if the offense isn't able to get back to stacking drives together because – to, you'd, you'd be, you know, forgiven for thinking this was a team that had struggled all year on third downs, given the last two weeks of data. But as David noted, I think on the last two podcasts, at least the last one when we were previewing this game, Georgia State entered this one leading the Sun Belt in some uh, third down conversion at 50%, little, a hair above 50%. And they just could not do it against Southern, against James Madison. And absolutely took everything away from their chances of competing in this game in the second half. And, you know, I, I made, I, you know, I made the note that James Madison, when you get them to third down have, you know, consistently struggled to convert them. They were the, they had the worst third down conversion percentage in the conference in the first half. They had six third downs and converted three of them. 
50% is not good. 50% versus a team that usually converts in the low 30s, especially not good. James Madison went in the second half and converted 86% of their third down attempts. And one of the non-conversions, as I noted in my article for Panther Talk, was when the second stringers were in. So like, if you just take that one out, when they were going for the win and they were playing hard, they only missed on one third down conversion this entire second half. That's just, you're going to lose 100 times out of 50 if that happens. And, you know, I agree with your point. Like, you definitely have to put more blame on the offense for their inability to put drives together, for their inability to, you know, consistently move the ball, and that's fine. I think the defense being asked to play as much as they did, it certainly sucks. Gotta get off the field, man. It, and and I think the the frustration with the, you know, I think James Madison in the second half, sorry, excuse me, the second quarter, they had that seven minute and 50 second drive where they just, you know, 80, 15 plays just, you know, they, they it was one of those take the air out of the ball drives that we've seen Georgia State do time and time again over the last couple of years. And it's just the defense just simply could not get off the frickin field. And it wasn't, you know, not every play was a big play. James Madison was they found success converting when they were on schedule. They found success converting when they weren't on schedule. You know, Georgia State tried to keep four as the primary rushers. They tried blitzing. They tried a whole bunch of different things. And ultimately, James Madison just kind of absorbed what Georgia State was trying to do, took the punch if there was one that was given and still was able to convert. And it's frustrating because if you look, if you look at that drive specifically, if you look at some of their other drives, it wasn't always that James Madison had some big, huge play or whatever against Georgia State. It was a lot of medium sized plays, especially on the ground. Um, you know, their longest play on the ground was a 27 yard run, at, you know, in the second half. Uh, they only had one other play on the ground that was 20 yards. A lot of, you know, 14, 13, you know, type runs, but they obviously they had a really good passing plays. You know, they had three passing plays over 30 yards, 30 or more yards. You know, the touchdown in the first in the first quarter, 17 yard touchdown. You know, it's the defense. And I think, you know, despite the last couple of weeks, I still think you can say that the defense has had times this year where they've been really, really good. It's just, it has not been nearly as good lately as it was earlier in the year. And they've just, they've not had a, a complete switch in their ability to get off the field on third down. And it's, I mean, it's, it's costing them games. Yeah. And this is a case where I, I hate being right for the second week in a row. I had said both of these weeks and, Spoiler, I'm probably going to say it again for the App State game because App State's also going to want to establish the run. If they were going to let this James Madison offense that had been pretty bad when you look at the analytical numbers in running the ball heading into this game, if they couldn't stop that, it was going to be trouble because they had too many weapons. McLeod was too good in the play-action game, had guys to go on the perimeter that it would be a similar situation like when Southern had their success in that second quarter where Georgia State was going to be in between run and pass, not sure what they were defending. And that's unfortunately what happened. Um, on the night, James Madison ran for 260, 5.5 yards per carry. 260 yards allowed is the most the Dukes have run for against an FBS opponent, and it is just one yard off of what they got against FCS Bucknell. 
And I still think the you know all around this is a good defense, good run defense, especially good run defense. So I don't know what's been going wrong. I don't know what exactly has been the issue in this game on the micro level. They lost contain on McLeod too much. And after the game, Coach Elliott was frustrated. And this time, I think he was frustrated with himself and his defensive staff because. I just started to ask him, like, with McLeod running and passing, like, it seemed like he had to, and he interrupted me and just said, it's zone read. He said that three times and then later said, we didn't practice that enough. And so I don't know if it's a case of they were keying in on certain things they thought were going to be tendencies Jamie's offense were going to go with, and they were surprised by how much uh, James Madison did that, or whether it was a case of James Madison coming in See, you know, seeing a possible opportunity there, throwing a new curveball in, but whatever it was, it worked. And Georgia State's defense was not ever able to counter that. And that absolutely killed them because it also set up McLeod doing some RPO stuff, scrambling out. Um, and he was great in the pocket. You know, aside from the Isaiah guy strip sack that JMU recovered, um, believe on that 14-7 long touchdown drive. Um, that was the only sack. And Georgia State only had four tackles for loss on the entire day as a defense. So the run game uh, had issues stopping it, uh, did not affect McLeod enough. Um, all in all, just kind of the same story as last game on a bigger scale, which makes it disappointing. And is the second straight week gave up 40-plus points and. Now you got to regroup because, you know, there's enough of the blame to go to the offensive performance, I believe, but there's stuff going wrong on the defensive side that if it doesn't get corrected, that even if the offense gets it figured out, that's still going to be an issue for them going forward. And, you know, it doesn't like it doesn't get any easier. <laughs> you know, App State's going to want to do the same type of stuff that Southern did. Yeah, same type of stuff that James Madison did. You know, you like out the middle game because the LSU one is just like it is what it is, especially if Jaden Daniels stays healthy. Like, yeah, that one is going to even if they've been playing well, we'd have been needing to brace for the fact that that one's going to be tough. They've got two Roy receiver ones for power conference schools on the roster and a guy who probably is still going to get invited to New York even if he might have lost his chances of taking home the trophy, uh, losing this game to Bama this past weekend. Exactly. You know, and I mean, like, look, Old Dominion didn't end up getting the win this week, but they've been a scrappy team. You know, they might that week be playing for bowl eligibility. You know, maybe they are the first team to beat Liberty this year. Maybe they're not. But if they beat Georgia Southern the week before that, you know, Old Dominion versus Georgia State could be a very important game for the Monarchs trying to you know, become bowl eligible. And the same offensive strategy that Georgia State tried to play against James Madison was the strategy that Old Dominion played to a three-point loss. You know, a couple of, you know, a couple of things go differently for the Monarchs in that game. And you could say that the Monarchs are four and two in Sunbelt play instead of three and three right now. Obviously, you got to play the games on the field, you know, and I think like you mentioned last week, Georgia State was looking to emulate some of those stuff. But I just don't think that there's any reason why having a back like Marcus Carroll, having a quarterback like Darren Granger, you know, prevented Georgia State from being able to do some of those similar things that Old Dominion did. Yeah, last thing on the offense, because you mentioned Old Dominion. Um they like doing the quick passing stuff. That was the other thing the defense struggled with was 
quick slants and stuff like that on third downs just absolutely killed them. Surratt had a huge game. He was the guy who, you know, McLeod just had to work him with that day. Um, had a long reception that was mostly yards after catch and some broken tackles. All that's got to get corrected, but yeah, you're left scratching your head, even while you know that this was a good James Madison team and the defense was kind of the crown jewel of it. Like you knew this was going to be a test. It was with explosive plays, but you ended up getting 146 on the ground and 185 was your net gain. You just lost on some TFLs. Like there was some bulk there in spots. It was not consistent. And that was kind of the issue. They tried a lot of the same stuff that worked for old dominion. And, you know, there might be a part of it that, like I mentioned on the preview pod, like maybe there was a degree of James Madison got to look at it and saw that with what they did wrong and corrected it. But I also just think that the stuff like the quick trains of the outside was just not executed as well as it has been earlier in the year. There was one in particular, it was the screen out all the way to the perimeter to Tyleek. And there was a JMU guy basically in his face as soon as he caught it. I think it was a loss of four or five. Um, it just wasn't as crisp and it wasn't maybe... You know, I didn't see any of the screens in the middle of the field. It was only that one that I remember that actually went to. Some of that might be alignment stuff. Obviously, we hear Darren and Coach talk about how so much of what they do on offense is they go up with the run call and the pass call, and they read the defense and make the call based on that. So some of it, certainly, you have to credit James Madison for maybe faking them into running the suboptimal read there. Uh, but it just, I don't know, something was not on with that part of the passing game that has really what has been unlocked the deeper passing game and helped unlock the run. And it wasn't there. And especially as the game went on, James Madison's front just started to tee off. And uh, given how little they were on the field, I can't really even say it's like a wearing down type of thing. Like the offense only played 17 and change minutes. So like, it shouldn't have been a case of it's like they were exhausted out there. No, they, they should have been very fresh. And I say that derogatory because it, the offense was not even on the field for 20 minutes. Yeah, like this is not ever a possession team. Like it, they did win the possession battle against Marshall and it mattered, but they've been successful all through Coach Elliott's tenure, not winning the time of possession, which we have talked about being kind of weird given how much they run the ball, but it's just not been their MO. But it is the same thing, like I said, with the the offense struggles against Southern, where when you run tempo and when you're trying to get to the line quick, those drives, you can blink and the punt team's on the field if you go three and out. And that obviously was a key factor. Um, it was also first and second downs again, because the average of the 12 third downs that George State attempted, the yardage they needed was 6.9. And honestly, <laughs> you know, Obviously, that's a, a big enough number that averages out to you or had a lot of eights and tens to deal with. But I should also note, they failed to convert a third and three and a third and two. So it wasn't like they even took the more gimmies that they usually expect to get when they win on first and second down. So all around, just something off with the execution on third downs. Um, obviously, James Madison's front is at, as, as advertised, and they had their say in it. Like, you have to respect game and say that they played well. And that is an underlying thing for this. McLeod threw an interception to Brykees Brown, uh, set up Georgia State in plus territory. 
the two touchdowns George State got were there was a 30-yard run and a 58-yard run. Other than that, I don't really know if James Madison made a mistake. And so there is a part of this that they played really well, and they didn't give you a chance to come back in the game. I still think that there was much, much more that they could have done to fight back, but there is a certain part of this that James Madison did play, if not an A game, like an A minus game. Like they didn't leave a lot out there. And you've got to make your own things happen when that's the case. And Georgia State was far from doing that. They were getting in their own way a lot of the time. And it kind of is what it it was what it was. And I think uh, I, I hate to I hate to call back to, you know, something I saw online a few weeks ago. Um but I think it was one of the state of Atlanta guys. They mentioned after the, you know, and about a frustration that they even admitted to after the Troy loss, they mentioned something to the effect of, you know, why can't Georgia state be like them um, or like be like some of the other teams and in the Sun Belt that is. And, you know, I, I absolutely credit James Madison. James Madison has been a very good football team since they transitioned to FBS and before, you know, obviously I don't want to, you know, poo-poo any of the stuff that they've done before, but this is, you know, the most intimate that I have um, seen them and experienced their football program. Uh, it is it is insanely frustrating seeing a Georgia State team play as well as they have this year and then just lose that crispness, that, that quality to them um in some of these games that matter most and i you know i'm not saying i'm not sitting here saying that they can't have a good season they haven't had a good season because they absolutely have like over the summer last year i think i had to i i think i had them pegged for like four wins this year and then right as the season started i kind of reevaluated and you know kind of hearing some of your reports like oh yeah this is absolutely a team that can go bowling you know regardless of how the rest of the season goes, they are going to go to a bowl game, but it is, it is very, very, um, you know, I, I guess I will use the word frustrating. It's very frustrating that sometimes it feels as if the peak for Georgia state is going to be that mid tier bowling team, you know, and it's and the, those are still good teams. Like, I don't want to say that those are not good teams because they are, you know, the the opportunity for Georgia State to break their school record in wins is still here. You know, it's been a bad couple of weeks, but it's November 5th and, you know, upset LSU or get two other Sunbelt wins and win a bowl game. And congratulations. That's, you know, going to be nine wins. You know, if you went out and beat LSU. Congratulations. You know, that's 10 wins. Um, so there is the possibility that Georgia State still has, you know, a crazy magical season, of course, you know, and I'm not saying that it's always Sunbelt Championship or bust because I think, you know, sometimes you lose you lose the importance of the journey when your goal is so much on the result at the end of the year. Um, you know, but I think Dabu Sweeney just joined us on this podcast. With that <laughs> last line. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, 
But at the you know at the end of the day, I think you know people involved with the program, fans involved with the program, they just want to see the program reach those pinnacles of successes that they've seen some of their you know similar university uh, peers reach. You know, this is looking like Troy's another one of Troy's years, and Troy's been on this at the top of this mountain before. You know, say what you want about Georgia Southern, but you know early on in their tenure in the Sun Belt, you know they were a team that kind of had that had the best record. You know, we looked at. App State this year and you know App State has been a team that has consistently been there since they went to divisions and you know has basically ran the Sun Belt East and you know Coastal had a couple of years where they were up there and you know making national headlines and you know I don't I'm not sitting here saying when is it Georgia State's turn because you know they will be the ones who determine that you know but at some point it's going to have to be that more happens at some point they're going to need to continue to improve and you know it was looking like this year was that year but you know mathematically still in it of course in the Sun Belt. I'm not saying that they're not because they absolutely are but you know I, I understand that it has been a disappointing couple of weeks you know for people and it's it's hard to hear and it's hard to have a game like that and feel like things are moving in this, a good direction even if they are yeah I mean I said it uh, again in my piece on Panther Talk like this was an opportunity to meet one of those moments and they can't get it back. James Madison game's over. You lost by 28, did not take advantage of the opportunity at home to get a top 25 win and beat the team that looks pretty unbeatable uh, this year. I agree. I think that like the gulf between an eight and four regular season and a seven and five, even, and especially a six and six finish is massive as far as like, I think you can sell everyone for the most part if they win their final two conference games, kind of excusing the LSU, just play them close. I don't think you can really project out, especially when they played the last two weeks. That's going to be any kind of close game. But if you beat App State this next Saturday, and if you go on the road on the, at the end of the year and beat Old Dominion and you get that regular season record, eight and four, most in program history in a regular season, chance at nine, which would be another record in the bowl game undoubtedly that would have been a success no matter what, but especially because like you said, the expectations heading into this year were so unknown. But I think if you don't get there at this point, if you end up at seven and five, drop one of the conference games, as well as the LSU game, I can understand it being a disappointment because when you start four and O expectations shift, you know, it's kind of the inverse of, you know, when they started one and four in 2021, people were a little slow on the uptick of it coming back because they had been let down by the slow start. And then when it came on, it was like, Oh, they're, they're doing this finally. Um, you're going to have to, I think, find a way to win these last two conference games to really feel that success. You know, it'd be a conference winning record as well. And a good Sunbelt that's still there. You know, they obviously have to clean up a lot and kind of just get over what was a disappointing loss and particularly a disappointing second half performance really quickly. Uh, because the team that's coming on Saturday is a team they've never beaten, and they're a win away from bowl eligibility, so they've got a lot to play for, and they're off of two straight wins that maybe they're feeling like things are trending in the right direction. It is what it is. You're going to have to kind of get back on the horse, and is that a thing? Get back on, get off the mat. I'm just going with different metaphors. I'm flustered by uh, whatever that game was on Saturday. Um the one worry, I think, I, I do not believe this was the same as the Georgia Southern loss. Maybe that one was more disappointing for people because it was the rivalry game, but they played better in the second half and just dug themselves too big a hole. 
the worry for me in this game was I hate using the keyword because I, I feel like it's a very demeaning way to describe guys going out there and trying their best on a football field. But that last touchdown drive for JMU was there were some missed tackles and there was some it felt like the Georgia State defense knew they were down three scores and the game was without question kind of over. And it's not great when you see a drive play out and you can feel that in the way that it goes and just kind of the manner is carried out. And and I was racking my brain because they've done a good job mostly avoiding these type of games. I got a little bit of shades of like last year's game in Boone. It's a little bit like that, but not entirely. But really the last deja vu vibes I got from that was the home game against App State in 2021. And at 45-16, and that was another one where there was some stuff in the second half. Like, there was a big pass play where it absolutely should not have gone for a touchdown, but there were some bad angles and I think a couple missed tackles, and it was like an 80-something yard pass play for a touchdown. And from there, it never really got any better, and it felt like a real down point. They were 1-4 and four after that loss. That's when they went on the 7-8 of eight run to get to 8 wins finishing out the year. You don't have that much time to turn it around. You've just got three games left, but you're going to just kind of have to hope that that loss Saturday meant as much as far as just the disappointment of it heading into this App State game this year, because like we just said, it's still in front of you somewhat, uh, but you don't have much time to fix it. And I think that not seeing a big response in energy in terms of focus, in terms of everything after that performance would be kind of justifiably disappointing for fans as they head into this next game against App State. Because like, if that isn't going to make you refocus and be like, man, we've got to play better. Or we're just going to get crushed again. I don't know what's going to. Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't either. It's, at this point, it is what it is, and, you know, it's this being the last home game of the season, and, you know, I, I do hope that this this game, is it, the season at home ends on a good note, because it has, I mean, it has been a good season at home, you know, I, I really think that, you know, they've played well, you know, they like UConn win was a nice win, obviously Troy, you know, didn't go the way that they wanted to, but Marshall was a nice win, you know, ending on, you know, losing to Troy was obviously tough and James Madison is obviously tough, but finding a way to just get one more win at home to kind of solidify what, what had been a really good slate of games in Center Park Stadium would be a very nice, you know, kind of cherry on top for this team specifically. So, And we don't have to tell y'all about the 0 and 9 of this upcoming matchup either like clearly this is going to be a win that you know it's almost cheating to get this matchup here if you can find a way to win because as disappointing as this loss was to James Madison and losing to Southern and Troy after getting off to that big start like I do think if they find a way to win this one and up and reset things and get it against this App State team that that will mean a lot to people that have suffered through nine of these losses already in this history between these two teams. And so I certainly, you know, App State's coming in playing well, but the sequencing is not bad as far as like everything shaping up for this really to feel like some real conquering of a team that has haunted Georgia State since they've joined the Sun Belt. 
All right, and that's all the time we have for this week's post-game show. Don't forget, tonight, as of the release of this episode, men's basketball heads up to Belmont in their season opener, and we'll be talking about that as well as previewing the final home game of the 2023 football season versus App State in this week's episode of the podcast proper. But until then, have a great week and go Panthers.